Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. God, help us that this is not just another service. But God, let this be a specific service, a place in time that your holy and divine presence meets with the commonness of mankind. Strengthen us today, God, by your mighty, mighty, mighty hand. We can leave here like Jacob today. We can leave here with our name changed. We can leave here with our character changed. We can leave here. We can leave here changed by your power and your hand. In Jesus' name. Amen. I know that you've been standing a while, and I respect that. I'll be standing a lot longer than you are when you are seated here in just a moment. Please let me remind you that today we begin Triumph 21. For the next 21 days, we are as a church making a concerted effort of prayer and fasting. And so we are just, we're just kind of leaving this up to the individual. We have uh, several different fasting guides, if you choose to use that, the progressive fast. I know many have participated in that through the years, the Daniels fast. Uh, perhaps you may just want to take a few days each of these three weeks and fast. And uh, whatever you want to do, we just want that to be between you and the Lord, but we want you to do something. Amen. We can all do something. And so let's take time, extra time. Let's pray and and. Uh, just ask the Lord and, and to, to touch us. I, I think it's a great way to start off a new year and it helps us to be focused and it helps us to be intentional about what we're doing. Next Sunday in our second service, we will have our commitment service and so I've asked you for weeks now to be prayerfully considering what you would give to the cause, commit to give to the cause of Global Missions and our building fund in 2015. Your faithfulness through the years have allowed us to be a part of many great things, not only right here in our state, but all around the globe, literally. We have had our hands in uh, the work of global missions around the world, and uh, I'm excited about that. I want to thank you for your faithfulness and giving. Because of that, we were able to participate in, uh, in our missions offering at General Conference, I Am Global, and uh, we were a part of that $5 million offering that was raised for the sake of putting 26 families out of the United States on deputation back into their countries. Now, we gave just under the $5 million. Thankfully, there were a few more there that, that, got, involved, that got involved and helped us with that, with that tiny missions effort. But I'm thankful that we are a part of that. We are a part of that, and not nickels and dimes either. We're part of that, and I appreciate that. We're able to participate. I could sit in that service hear me, I think this is meaningful. I could sit in that service and feel a commitment in my heart spoken to me by the Lord and sign a card saying this is what we'll do because I knew we were able to do that. Amen. We did that as a church. And so thank you for your faithfulness to the, and your commitment to the Lord. 
I feel like Brother Osborne's words were somewhat prophetic this morning. Amen. I do feel that this is more than just an ordinary day and an ordinary service, but I feel that God would speak something to our heart. I'm going to ask us to pray over the word. You've been, see, you've been standing, and I'm going to read several scriptures, so we're just going to pray over the word, and we're going to make a journey. I'm not sure where we're going with all this today, so I'm going to tell our ushers up front so I don't have to worry about this later. If our Sunday school gets here and they are peering and longingly looking through those little windows, <laughs> desiring to come into the holies of holies, just let them in. Just let them in a class at a time, every how you need to do that, every how they come in. And let's just make this trip together. If I preach too long in the first service, I'll let you out in the second. How's that? I don't know if any other, I just can't treat you any better. I don't know how to treat you any better than that. Lord, I love you today, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for your power and your presence. I thank you, God, for what I feel in my spirit now. I thank you today, God, for what I feel you spoke into my heart yesterday for this day. So now I'm just asking you, Lord, to help me somehow to pull all of this together and to connect all of these dots. I pray, God, that your anointing will just touch us from the very beginning of this service, quite literally until its last, very last word spoken, until these lights are out and until every ministry and, and every portion of this day has been concluded. I'm asking you to stand with us as a church and anoint us together in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you shake somebody's hand near you? Welcome them to the house of God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You may be seated if you'd like. <clears throat> if you will join me in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17 for you... Uh, Bible readers, you will recognize this chapter, the 16th and the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel is very significant in the life of a young man by the name of David. So I'm going to ask you for a favor right out of the gate. We are going to be talking about some very familiar things today, so I'm going to just ask you please, pretty please, not to fold your arms and say, well, I've already heard this story. Amen. But let's let God just revisit us, pass by us afresh. Amen. Let there be an anointing today for this particular day, January 4, 2015. The Bible says in this in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 19. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him, his father. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with him, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the words 
according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. I think it would just be worthy of a pause here to remind you that these were not sissies. These were warfaring men. They didn't go shopping and all of a sudden find themselves in a scuffle. They went to battle, army to army. They knew why they woke up that morning. They understood what they were going to do, yet when they saw the man fled from him and were sore afraid, and the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel he has come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him saying, Run that by me one more time. I mean, some of you are looking for that in your particular Bible. <laughs> but that's in essence what David said. He said, run that by me one more time. That should have been the title of my message now that I think about that. What shall be done to the man who killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner saying, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. There was a chiding from the crowd. However, verse 28 kind of changes the complexion and the dynamics of this entire conversation. Because it is here that Eliab, and you may remember Eliab, the name of Eliab from the previous chapter, in chapter 16. It was his oldest brother. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he, was, when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom? Watch the sarcasm. And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. In verse 29, probably one of the most sobering points of this entire story, David said, what have I now done? And then he asked a very perplexing question in this second question. Is there not a cause? And so today, with the help of the Lord, I want to preach to you from this subject for the sake of the cause. For the sake of the cause. So here is David, a very familiar story. David and Goliath, many in this building heard this story very, very early on in your Christian walk with God whether that was in your childhood and Sunday school and vacation Bible school or whether that was in your adulthood and some sort of home Bible study or discipleship course, you became acquainted with David and Goliath and you became acquainted with this particular story. And so here is a young man, just a teenage boy uh, for all intent and purposes. He was not, he was not this tall and formidable leader that we find in the life of Saul. But he was standing there and inside 
the chest of this young boy beat the heart of a warrior, a young man who clearly understood the beginning from the end, and he clearly understood the kingdom's cause. I want to just say this today right here at this moment because we have some young people that are in this house today, and I want to tell you that it is never too early to let the Spirit of God brand his cause in your heart. Amen. God can call God called David a long time before he put him on the throne. God called Isaiah and Jeremiah very, very early on in their life. And there was a lot of prep time. There was a lot of things that they went through. Young Samuel, as a matter of fact, was dedicated to the Lord from a child for the very cause of being a part of the kingdom of God and working in the temple. And so I want to tell you today that you're not too young to let the Spirit of God put something in you that is sober and something that you just can't get away from. Amen. I feel like I need to abide here for just a moment. Amen. I'm going to tell you that I feel like God put that very thing in my heart as a young man. I didn't always make the right decisions and I didn't always do the smartest thing, but I'm going to tell you, no matter how far I had drifted from the cross, I, I wasn't enjoying myself because the cause of God had been branded in my heart and that's what kept pulling me back. I may have stumbled and, and fallen and I did. Amen, I don't say that proudly. I may have made poor choices and I did, but I'm gonna tell you that the kingdom's cause had somehow been so deeply instilled in my heart that I just couldn't get away from it. Amen. I just love the Lord. And I, 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 wanna, I want that love of God to be off in the hearts and the minds and the spirit of even our young people today. Don't just get the Holy Ghost. Fall in love with serving the Lord. Don't just fall in love with worshiping him. Fall in love with serving him and his kingdom's cause. I can tell you this, that when you step out by faith to fight against the enemy, there seems to always be someone or something there to discourage you. Sadly for David, this started in his own family. It was David's oldest brother. It was Eliab that became angry when he heard what David was doing. When, when David started inquiring about uh, looking deeper into what's going on here and, and then when David began to inquire about the offer of Saul, now I'm just gonna be very honest with you, I'm not sure at all in my heart am I convinced that David was after the riches or the daughter. That was just some benefits that came with stepping up to the plate. I think David understood as a young man that there's far more at stake here than just putting a deposit in my bank account and, and having a wife for my future. David began to inquire. And then when he inquired, the Bible says that his oldest brother said, why'd you come down? What, what is it? He said, and by the way, who did you leave those few sheep with? You know, people know just the right words to say to pull the right strings. And, and uh, you know, where, where did you leave those few sheep? And what, what's the deal? I mean, who's, who's tending after that little small thing you've got going on? And what he was trying to say, he was trying to tell David, he said, young man, what you don't understand is that you're just a kid among warriors. You're a kid among soldiers. And at best, you're just a shepherd among warring men. And I wanna know, I wanna know what do you think you're doing here? I think you've kind of drifted out here in waters a little bit too deep. I, I, think, you're, uh, I think you're over your head here. He was, he was very busy declaring, it seems to me, 
all of their strengths of warfare. I mean, you're a boy among men. You're standing among warring men. Yet in my mind, there is something conspicuously absent from this scene. And I think these things that are absent deserve mention this morning. For one thing, Eliab has accused David of coming down to see the battle. And the first thing that I, the first flaw that I see with this is that there was not a battle going on. He said, you've come down here to watch men fight. The problem is there were no men fighting. And so what are you talking about, Eliab? I mean, there's no swords clanging. I, I don't hear any shields clanging together. I, I don't see any men crying in their battle cry. The only thing I really see is one man, and I hear him calling for a man among men to come out and fight. Amen. In all honesty, that should have been an embarrassment for Eliab, but for whatever reason, it did not embarrass him. He also forgot that when David walked into the camp, he first came there and brought him something to eat. He brought him something to nourish him and help him along. But I believe the most troubling thing, this is just my opinion, but to me the most troubling thing in this passage of Scripture is found in the fact that he forgot something very significant about his little brother and that significant thing is this that the very man who is belittling him the very man that is trying to embarrass him the very man that is calling him out was standing right there the day that the prophet Samuel anointed David to be the next king of Israel he was standing there this was not something he read about in the newspaper this was not something that traveled down through the grapevine and the rumor mill of their community he was standing there. He was waiting for David as he was summoned from the shepherd's field. He was standing there when David's small stature came into view and as he got closer and closer and closer, he was standing there when, the, when, he, when Samuel said, this is the man. This is the man that God is going to anoint. He was standing there when Samuel raised that vial of oil and began to anoint David for the office that God was about to raise him to. Amen, somehow, and I want you to really hear me here today, somehow he and his brothers did not understand the significance of that moment, but hear me today. When you miss the significance of moments in your life, when you miss the, because they miss the significance of that moment, they are now missing the significance of this moment. Amen, now I want, I want you to get that if you will. Amen, it matters when we have some God moments in our life. Am I preaching to anybody that's ever had some God moments? Amen. If you miss the God moments in your life, amen, you may be oblivious to what God is doing today. If you miss God speaking yesterday, amen, if you miss God speaking last month, if you miss God speaking last year, then perhaps what God is trying to say makes no sense. And so when you miss one God moment, it sets you up to miss another God. God moment. And so I say, Eliab, you need to shake yourself, sir. Amen. You need to wake yourself and understand that this is all a part of the divine hand and the influence of God. It matters. There is very little reason to think that we're going to understand what God desires to do in our future. Amen. If we don't understand what God has already done in our past. Why don't we clap our hands to the Lord? <coughs> Thank you.
I just couldn't help this morning early and I just couldn't help but just to try to play this out in my mind and just kind of chase different scenarios down a path a little ways. I wonder how different this story would have been if David if his brothers had opened their eyes to what God was about to do. I wonder what would have happened if just somehow, even at that moment, they would have allowed God to bring back to their remembrance that moment that Samuel anointed their brother as king. Amen, what was, what, what was God going to do through Samuel that day? Amen, as he was pouring that oil on David's head. Amen, I, I, I will tell you something, whether they got it or not, whether they understood the significance of it or not, whether or not they embraced it or rejected it, you cannot erase 1 Samuel 16 and 13 from the Holy Writ. And this is what the scripture has to say. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. It's irrevocable, ladies and gentlemen. They were standing right there when it happened. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And they were there when it happened. They were standing right there when it happened. And now they're wondering, why have you come to the battle? Why did you bother leaving your seat and coming here? Why are you standing? Are you just after the king's daughter? Are you just after a little bit of gold and silver? No, no, no. What they didn't realize is that God had been on him and anointed him for such a time as this very moment. I would like to say this morning, oh God, help us to not be standing present when God is doing something. And yet remain oblivious to the hand and the anointing of the Lord in our midst. Oh, oh, hallelujah. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David. From that day forward, he was a changed man. And they were standing right there when it happened. They missed that God moment in their past. And now they were missing a God moment in their present. Somehow, somewhere, they lost sight of the sake of the call. Somehow, some way, it all became about riches. It all became about a daughter. It all became about a little brother trying to show a big brother up. It all became kind of a family affair. And now David, who is, in all, in all honesty, he just is doing what his father said. He, he, just, he just had some lunch. He just had a snack that he was taking to his brothers. He had no intention, no idea that he was about to land himself in the pages of history. But David now has to fight two battles. One is glaringly obvious. Amen. One battle that he had to fight was nine foot tall and ugly as dirt. Amen. He was screaming and hollering, send me a man that we might fight together. Send me a man that we might fight together. However, the other enemy wasn't as tall and it wasn't as loud, but it was ever bit as distracting and that was the voice of his flesh and blood. Amen. I want to pause here today and say this, that I am the younger brother in our family and I, I don't want this to be taken out of context, but I do know what firsthand what it means to desire the approval of an older brother or an older, I have two older brothers and, and uh, I, I want my brothers to be proud of me and, and, and certainly as a young man, I wanted that and even desire that today. Is that, that all right? 
And so this wasn't just any voice. This wasn't just anybody that was saying this. This was somebody that could cut deep because he was seeking for approval some, to some degree of, a, of an older sibling. And so that had to wound David very deeply in his heart. In Matthew 10 and 36, Jesus said, a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Think about that. It was true in the life of David. It was also true in the life of Joseph. His brothers hated him. His brothers lied on him. They sold him as nothing more than a common slave. In Numbers 12 and 1, I mean, you, you just can't even read the book of Numbers chapter 12 without coming across verse number one. And as you come out, as you come out of verse number one, here's what the Bible says. It says that the mother, uh, the brother rather, and the sister of Moses was criticizing him. I mean, that was coming right there from under his own roof. It was right there, the closest thing to him that, that was kind of gouging at him about what God was doing in his life. As a matter of fact, according to John 7, at one point in the Lord's earthly ministry, his own natural family, lost sight of what God was doing in his life. <laughs> Amen. In the case of our scripture text, even King Saul, the man that everybody's looking to for direction, even King Saul wasn't helpful. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 33, I'll just read this to you, thou art not able, this is what Saul said, you're not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. And I know that in a practical sense, that all makes, that all makes sense. In, in, in a rational way of looking at that, Saul really had a point. He said, you have no experience with fighting a man of war. You're just a young man, and this young man has been a man of war since his youth. You're just but a youth, and he's been doing this since he was just a young man. And so he said, you, you are, you're not understanding what you're up against. Be that as it may. David did not allow the words of Eliab. He did not allow the words of Saul. He did not allow the cynic. He did not allow the sneers. He did not allow the gestures. He did not allow the looks of disdain to dissuade his faith whatsoever. Why? Because David had hooked his soul to the cause of the kingdom. And I'm gonna tell you every now and then you gotta raise the hook and you gotta hook it not on the things of this world and not on the things that we can put our hands on but we gotta hook our heart and our hope into the world that is beyond this world. I wanna hook my hope into the kingdom. Hallelujah. I wanna speak into the kingdom. I wanna view into the kingdom. I know I've shared it, but I just can't get over it. I can't get over it. I was, I think it was Brother Gibson and I that were talking last Sunday and it's kind of been resonating in my heart ever since our conversation. But, but uh, the hour, the hour many, many decades ago in Denham Springs, Louisiana, when Brother J.T. Pugh stepped out of the front lawn of that service, of that church house, he meant just a little small building on a two-lane rut road, and he lifted his hands. And with a voice of prophecy, he said that this church is gonna be sitting on a main thoroughfare. That was before I-10 come along. That was before Walmart. Sam Walton came along. That was before 
before it became a six or seven lane road in front of their church today. Are you hearing me? I'm gonna tell you, that was a man who didn't have his heart hooked on the tangible things of this world, but he had his heart hooked to the kingdom. And he said, he said, Brother Johnson, be encouraged. He said to the church there, be encouraged because your finest days are not behind you, but they are ahead of you. And God is gonna do something. Amen, he had his heart hooked to the sake of the cause, all for the sake of the cause, for the sake of the cause. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. And so when he knew that God could help him, he knew that God would help him defeat the enemy. When we walk by sight, we calculate everything from human perspective, amen. So when we walk by sight, it limits us. The more we know, sometimes it can hinder us. It can limit us. Now stay with me for just a moment. You can take a child and get them to stand up here on this desk and you can say, come on and jump and just jump into my arms and that child with great faith in you, just faith in you alone will just jump. He'll just jump, but you let that child keep growing. You let that child keep eating. You let that child just keep living and after a while, you're gonna have a harder time getting them to jump off of something into your arms. Because they become too practical. I'm not sure you can handle all this. <laughs> and from a practical point of view, they may have a point. But when we walk by side and you start calculating your weight, the height from which you're jumping versus the strength of that individual's arms you're jumping into, amen, from a human perspective, if we only look at everything by sight, we will only calculate things through human eyes and what, what, what we can do, amen, it's human. And many times the end result of that can be discouraging because I don't know about you, but I feel limited sometimes. I feel incomplete without God sometimes. And I wonder how I'm gonna do it sometimes but when you start walking by faith when you run out of you when we run out of self when we run out of strength when we run out of energy when we run out of resource and we start walking by faith we pull God into the equation and when we pull God into the equation it changes everything amen David had experienced the power of God in his own life and he knew that God could take weakness and turn it into strength he knew that God could take nothingness and turn it into something he knew that God could take something that was so far beyond reach and just pull it down a little bit closer. Hallelujah. That's what David knew. These examples, these examples in David's life almost become trite to us if we're not careful. Yet we must never forget where David garnered this kind of strength. I mean, what was the catalyst that served to push this young man right to the very brink of one of the most epic battles of his day? I mean, what, what was it? What was it that brought you to this moment? And without hesitation, David began to remind them one time there was a day, a, a a lion and another time there was a bear and if God would see me through the lion and if God would see me through the bear then God can see me through this Goliath amen I'm going to tell you something today that we got to hold on to the small things that God does we got to hold on to those things and pull them around us and say I know God can do this because he did that I know God can help me climb this mountain because
because he helped me climb this hill yesterday. I know, Lord, I know the Lord can help me through this valley because he walked with me through this low spot. Amen, last year or year before or somewhere in the, in the past. Amen, David said, I know God can do this because he has been with me before. Amen. So he knew that God could deliver him out of the hand of Goliath. It's as though he sees Goliath as just another enemy that's trying to attack the flock. Amen. Now the first one came dressed like a bear. The other one came dressed like a lion. This dressed like, a, uh, just dressed like a soldier. But he said, this is nothing more than something that's trying to take something out of the flock. Amen. I'm going to tell you, if you hold that picture in your mind, if you'll just, ta- if you'll just take a steel frame picture of that in your mind and now I want to contrast that against something else Amen. here is David that says I know he can because he has I know he will because he did I know it's all going to be alright now because it was alright yesterday I know that God will that's all coming out of a voice of a young man <laughs> in great contrast sadly Saul personally knew nothing about this wonderful power of God David is speaking of. He's gotten so far off base. He's gotten so far out of kilter. His path is down a path that's going to ultimately lead to his destruction. And so Saul, Saul got so discombobulated in all that was going on The only thing he knew to do was advise him to wear his own armor. Saul didn't have the faith to believe that God could do something new. So he suggested what we ought to do is just try this well-worn method of warfare instead. The very idea of all this seems somewhat absurd. I mean, Saul was a grown man. He wasn't just a grown man, but the Bible clearly describes him as a man being taller than the average man. We also know that David was just a mere teenager, and so it wouldn't take much of an imagination to picture what Saul's armor looked like on David. Can you get that snapshot in your head? I mean, maybe this, maybe this could help you out right here. This is probably about what it amounted to. This is probably about what it amounted to. It's game day. It's game day. Come here, little boy. It's game day. Come here, little boy. Amen. Now listen, that young man smiling from ear to ear. He's happy to have it all on. He's happy to have it all on. But, but you see, Saul was trying to get David to wear something that wasn't his. He's trying to get me to wear something that's not mine, David said. He's trying to get me to wear something that's not even proven. I haven't even proven this, but I I have got something over here that I've proven. Amen, I haven't proven this. Amen, but I've got something that's been proven. Amen, I've got something that's been proven. It was far more than a sling and a rock. I've got something that's been tried and tested, and it's far more than leather and stone. I've got something here that's been tried and put to the test, and it's not just something man can make but I've got a Jehovah amen I've got a God hallelujah that when I didn't know where I was going and when I didn't know where to turn and when I had come to the end of myself amen he said I I will anoint you with strength and he tore the bear in half and he tore the lion in half why because God is God and he can see us through yes he can yes he can yes he can yes he can 
Amen. You see, this was not fit for David. It was not comfortable. It wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> it would have been a burden for David to try to move on in the armor of Saul. It wouldn't have been a help. It would have been a hindrance. It would not have been the will of God. It would have hampered his effectiveness against Goliath. David's encouragement didn't come from men. It came from God. I believe the scripture also reveals another strength that was bound up in the heart of this man called David because later in scripture we find the Bible says this of David that he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You know, when a, a marathon race is being ran, um, you're probably wondering how I know about this. <laughs> when a marathon is being ran, many people line up and down those streets. They're rallying them on. They're handing them cool cups of water. They're helping them through mental, mental battles, maybe even some physical, psychological things that are going on all kind of melted together. They're helping them there. And it's a good thing to have that encouragement. But you see, most of the time when they're training, there's nobody there saying, come on now, come on now, come on now, come on now. Nobody there to hand them a cool cup of water. Nobody to say, say, come on, you can make it. Somebody. And so somewhere along the line, you've you got to get it in your gut that if I have to, if I have to stand alone, I'll just stand. I'm preaching to people that know what it's like to stand alone. Stand alone. And so in spite of the criticism and in spite of his own discouragement, sometimes and discouragement that was coming against him from other places and even in spite of some bad advice, David trusted the Lord his God and God rewarded his faith. I'm so thankful that history is littered with men and women that just kept marching on. I mentioned this Wednesday night. I was praying before church Wednesday night as we had kind of opened our service with prayer there and for our communion. And I just began to thank the Lord for those that had walked before me. I just want to thank you, Lord. I, I try often to say, Lord, I thank you for my heritage and, to, and, and not just let that be a blanket statement. I try to call as many of those people by name as I possibly can. Thank you for my heritage, Lord. And, and, and I, I begin to pray this, and I was saying this literally. Lord, I thank you for those that have walked before me. I thank you, God, for those that have just kept the path. And because of that, I was able to find my way to the foot of the cross. Thank you for that. And it was just like the Lord. Lord just tapped me on the shoulder and said and now you are that person walking and there is somebody that is depending on your steps and I felt Brother Gibson that blanket of authority and that power uh, and, and the weight of responsibility to realize that, that, that one day, one day, hear me if we keep walking and the Lord tarries his return, somebody's going to be knelt down in an altar somewhere and they're going to be saying Lord I thank you for those that walk before me and you know what, they're going to be talking about you Amen. They're going to be calling your name. 
Amen. They're going to be saying, Lord, I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for those elders that were faithful. I'm so thankful, God, that they just kept going. When days of discouragement came by, they just somehow stood against all adversity. Amen. All for the sake of the cause. They just hooked their heart to something larger than them. They hooked their heart to something beyond the world they were existing in that day. Men and women of faith who obeyed God even when the odds were stacked against them. Just a few days ago, my pastor was here for a visit. He and his wife, and we were sitting in our home. My wife and I, we were sitting in our home. We were just talking about the work of God and the conversation led to this church and the conversation led to what God was kind of doing here and we were sharing that back and forth and and just just almost as though a cloud of memory came blowing in. Brother Tumman leaned back in the chair and he just began to recall some things about the early days, embryonic days even of this church's existence. How... By faith, and Brother Chris Osborne alluded to this, spoke on this, as a matter of fact, more than alluded to this last month as he ministered here, how that men and women of faith were moved by the prompting of the Lord. And they didn't just sit there and let that simmer in their heart, Brother Riley, but they got up and they did something about it. Amen. They took that prayer. They took that revelation. They took that prompting. They took that holy visitation to an altar of prayer and said, God, if there is anything to this, if there is anything to this, then I want you to send somebody our way. And God was already working on the other end. Amen, God was already working on the other end. Now listen, don't get nervous. Don't, don't be a worried that, that, that somehow your pastor is telling another story that's been told a hundred times and I've got a little touch of dementia here. No, I'm gonna tell it a hundred more if God gives me the breath. You know why? Because I want every young person to hear it and I want them to hear it and I want them to hear it and hear it and hear it again and let them realize that we didn't just get here overnight and we didn't just get here accidentally. This didn't just come up out of the earth like an acorn that got tossed to the side. But oh, the divine, oh, the divine appointment, oh, the divine intervention. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know what the Lord said? He said, I want you to get this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. This is how serious I want you to take it. I want you to talk about it when you lay down. I want you to talk about it when you rise up. I want you to talk about it when you sit in your home. Hear us, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. This church is not the end result of somebody's indigestion. Amen. This church is not the end result of somebody's split or splinter. But this is a divine appointment. Hallelujah. And we're standing in the midst. We are standing in the midst of something very divine. Divine. Oh, I think we ought to stand all over this building and magnify the Lord in this house. Hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah. They did something with their prompting. They did something about that nudging in their spirit. Amen, you may be seated. They didn't just sit down on it and say, well, Lord, if there's anything to it, then you'll bring it by. But somewhere, something woke in their heart and they said, we gotta rise and we've got to do something about it. Amen, God sent an evangelist and his wife and sister and they came, they came and they began to preach. But they said, we know that we are not the pastors of this church, but we're gonna pray and we're gonna fast because God is gonna lay it on the heart of someone. And on one Sunday morning, friend, are you with me? Amen, the evangelist, Angelus and his family came to that group that had gathered there and said we're breaking our fast today because God has heard our prayer amen we're going to town and eat lunch but if somebody comes while we're gone don't you let them leave hallelujah don't you let them leave hours before God had woke my grandfather up in the middle of the night and given him a vision of that very tent revival that they were having church in he loaded his children up amen some of them are here today he loaded his his children up and begin to make a journey, a drive he had never made, turn down a road he had never been on. I remember my Aunt Merle saying she could remember her mother saying, Carl, are you sure this is right? Carl, are you sure this is right? He just kept driving. He just kept driving and driving and driving. I'm talking about divine appointments. I'm talking about the sake of the cause. Are you hearing me today? Amen, we didn't just get here by accident. We're not here randomly but God has placed us where we are here today. The sake of the cause. Yeah, mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I feel something stirring in my heart now. Praise God. Amen, they stepped out on nothing and God sent something to knock on their door. Amen, that group stepped out on nothing, but they moved by faith that God was on the other end working, and God was on the other end working. And I'm gonna tell you, if God was working on the other end in that day, God is still working on the other end this day. Hear me, hear me, hear me. I boldly declare to you this morning, amen, while they have not even dressed for church yet, while they have not even made this journey yet, God is speaking to families. Amen, I'm not just talking about one individual here or one individual there, and I'm not, and hear me today, I'm not being unkind, and I'm not just talking about people that have been backslid and in and out of church. I'm talking about today, God is speaking to hearts, amen, Amen, God is speaking to families today you've never met, you've never put your hand in theirs, you've never embraced their neck, they've never walked in the doors of this building, but they are coming, hallelujah, because there is a divine appointment. Hallelujah, there is a cause. Woo, hallelujah. Were they perfect? No. Are we perfect? No. Did they have all the wrinkles ironed out? No. But God used them in spite of themselves. I'm going to help you out. And God's using us in spite of ourselves. 
Amen. I'm not being unkind. I'm just telling you that God took the frailty of their flesh. And God took what they were not and made them what they were. Amen. He made up the difference. You hear me? I had the tremendous and the unique privilege. Amen. Please don't pray for me. Amen. <laughs> don't pray for me to get over telling these stories. Amen. Because I had the unique privilege just a few years into our pastoring. Sister Myrtle Dees was still living. Amen. She, she, didn't, she doesn't even live. Her house is still there, not even a mile from where we're standing here today. And I had the unique privilege to sit at her bedside while she was most literally living out her last hours on this earth. Amen. While we sat in her little room and I held her hand. Amen. She would close her eyes as though she were asleep. And the moment she would open her eyes, Brother Gibson, and she would say, if you could see what I see. If you could see what I see. Amen. Oh, I felt the Holy Ghost as it began to move and that I was just a young man. I was a young pastor. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I could not grasp the magnitude of what she was telling me at that very moment. I I think I understand it better now. Amen. She would close her eyes again and then she would open her eyes and she would look at me and say, they're coming, Brother Boyd. They're coming, Brother Boyd. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. Amen. You hear me and I hope that I'm not being too honest or honest, so honest that I make you uncomfortable. But I'm going to tell you there have been days I've been discouraged. There have been days that I didn't know if I could press home. There have been days, is that all right? Amen. There have been days that I felt like I was sitting on the bottom with my feet hanging over the edge but I remember holding on to that hand amen I remember those words that said they're coming they're coming hallelujah if you could see what I see if you could see what I see I'm going to tell you today that we are here by appointment we are here by appointment oh my God I feel lost almost in this amen I feel almost lost in this today Amen, now you can believe whatever you want to believe. I will not argue with you one five seconds about this. But I'm going to tell you what I think was going on. You can have your way, and you can call me crazy. But I believe that God was giving her a Moses moment. My God... I feel the vir ooh, ooh. I feel the virtue of the Holy Ghost on me today. Hallelujah. I believe that God was giving her a Moses moment. Now you want to know what a Moses moment is? I'll tell you what a Moses moment is to me. The Lord said, Moses, I want you to speak to this rock. I asked you to strike it a moment earlier. I want you to speak to this rock and Moses and his frustration. Smote the rock and God said, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. And the Lord said, now, Moses, you, oh, that, that's, that, that's, that was pricey right there. A hefty price tag on that. You, you can't go to the promised land. And apparently, you know, Moses and the Lord had a very unique relationship. I mean, they really did. One of the most probably unique you'll read about in Scripture. I mean, one moment, you know, Moses is on the bridge trying to jump off, and God's saying, come on down, Moses, get your head together. And the next moment, it's almost as though God's on the bridge wanting to jump off. Moses saying, come on down, God, now get, we got to get, get your head in the game here. 
please, please stay with me. God is not done here. And so apparently they had some conversations about this. I'm not suggesting that Moses was arguing with God, but I think he was hugely disappointed in the outcome of his own antics. And God, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 3 and 26, watch this. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear me. No, how, no matter how many times I filed a grievance, he mailed them back. No matter how many times I pitched a fit, he turned a deaf ear. No matter how many times I said why, he stared. And the Lord said unto me, let it suffice thee. Speak no more unto me of this matter. Now I'm going to tell you something. This wasn't some little servant boy that was feeling his oats. This wasn't just some young man kind of got sideways. This was God that said, don't bring this up again. You understand me? We're not discussing this. Verse number, the next verse says this. Now this is God's mercy. Verse 27, verse 26 was God's judgment. But God's mercy soon came. Get thee up to the top of Pisgah and lift up thine eyes west, north, south, and east and behold it with thine eyes for thou shalt not go over this Jordan. But he said, but I tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to let you see it. I want you to know something, Moses. This is not a pipe dream you bought into. This was not for nothing. All of those years in Egypt, all that murmuring and complaining, I wasn't teasing. I believe this was a spiritual thing. I believe that God took him to Pisgah and allowed him to view what was really there, ever, ever how that happened. It seems to denote and underscore the intimate relationship that God and Moses had. Now listen, I don't think that Moses was the only person to leave this earth without God allowing them to see something positive about their future. Now you can relax. We're not fixing to start reading palms. That's probably about as goofy as we're going to get. But I believe that God has taken his servants and let them just peer into something. Amen. Well, it's so quiet, I don't know how to take that. That's all right. I'm thankful for the rich history of Hatchman Apostolic Church. This coming July, we will mark the 75th year since that seed was first ever pushed into the soil. A maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we'll do this and see what happens. No. Somebody by faith said, God spoke to me. And God was working. That's our history. You see, we're not the only church that has a history like this. <laughs> no, 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 not by any means. We're honored to have such a rich history as our musicians come. But I'm going to tell you this. And I feel prompted in the Holy Ghost to say this. This is not just a line I typed in my notes for fodder. I don't think we will ever face a mountain any taller 
than those behind us face. Amen. Because we're serving the same God. And the same God that can bring tall mountains to plains is the God that we're serving. And so what things we face individually or even corporately may seem beyond our scope of imagination. How how could God do this or how could God do that? But you see, we've, we've got some very broad shoulders to stand on. I want to just be still here for a moment. Oh, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Some years ago, I've shared this a couple times. Some years ago, uh, a man that I was barely acquainted with he and his family are full-time evangelists and they had preached for us one December during the holidays a couple of years previous to what I'm about to share. And he called me one day and, and he said, uh, he said, Brother Boy, we are, we're preaching several revivals down in the central and southern part of the state and we're passing by your way and I, I would like to come by I need to, to tell you something. And uh, he said, I'm not asking you to come preach. I just, I just need to come by. I said, oh, man, we'd, we'd be honored to have you preach. Just come on, be with us. And plan on preaching that night. So we gathered here on that Wednesday night. And he preached. And we had a good service. I noticed they were lingering quite a bit and they were leaving that night after church to go on to, to Central Florida. And I thought you know, as soon as church was over, they'd probably be kind of gathering up their stuff and their children and leaving. But I noticed they were, they were lingering. I was talking to a few families and I looked up, they were still here. And finally, the building emptied out and, and, and we wound up, he and I, standing right about here. And he said, Brother Boyd, I... I uh, I told you the other day when I called you that I wasn't asking you to come here and preach. He said, I told you that I needed to come by and tell you something. And when he said that, I did remember him saying that. But somehow that, that part of the conversation had escaped me for the moment. And he said, the Lord told me to tell you. And then boom. And I was aghast. I went home and told my wife, and my wife knows exactly verbatim that what he said was 100% true. And he said, I don't really know what any of this means, but I think you do. And I just came by here tonight to tell you. And they got in their car and left. Roll the calendar forward 
another year or so, Brother Wayne Townsend, my wife and I had gone to a cabin that we had rented for a few days of just getting away. And the, the real unique thing about this particular cabin, and this really is the truth, that when you make the last turn making your way into the driveway of that cabin, it kind of dips down real low when you pull into the front yard of that cabin, and whatever cell phone signal you had just went poof. And you just drifted into no man's land. So that made it quite convenient for a getaway. We didn't plan on that, but it was an added benefit. But if you know anything about cell phones, you know this, that even if you have no cell phone signal, you can still get a text message because it takes a much smaller bandwidth to get a text message than a signal of a phone. Now, I've been praying. Not just feel prompted. I'm going to be honest. I think I've even shared this before, but if I haven't, I'm going to be honest. And I've been praying, and, and, I, and in my prayer, I was using a word that I never used. And I would say, Lord, I just feel like our church has plateaued. I just feel like we just kind of come to this place. And it, I, I just feel like we just plateaued. And that's just not a word that I use. But that was a word that I'd been using in my prayer. One afternoon while we were sitting in that cabin, my cell phone received a text message from the man that had stood right here. And he said, I was in prayer just now and the Lord told me to tell you that the church has not plateaued. I think there's a cause. <laughs> I don't think we're just here to marry the young and bury the old. <laughs> I feel something divine sweeping into this place. I don't, I don't think we're just here because somebody wanted a church to pastor or somebody wanted a place to preach or somebody wanted a place to sing or a microphone to hold. I think there's something divine about right where we are. Divine. I'm trying so hard not to preach past the moment. But I'm going to tell you today as we stand that when you hook yourself to the cause, it might bring you to do things otherwise you would not involve yourself in. It made no sense that Elijah would meet 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel by himself, but he did. It seemed improbable that he would win, but he did. He wasn't standing there to try to satisfy some portion of his ego. He was standing there for the sake of the cause. It made no sense for Moses to leave the luxury of Egypt, but he did. It seems ludicrous that he would stand in Pharaoh's face and say, let my people go, but he did. The question that remains for you and I this morning is plain and simple, and that is this, what will we do for the sake of the cause? I'm asking God to let this message burrow into our spirit, not just our ears. Amen. Would you somehow connect with me in prayer now? God, would you let somehow the divineness of this moment, would you let it slip into every crack and crevice of our spirit? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, church, let's be real careful not to let the enemy destroy and steal what God's trying to give here.
Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Let's do something here. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God. Amen. I'm not going to let the enemy come in now and try to frustrate what God is trying to say. Take the hand of someone near you. Let this be a point of contact. Come on, church. I believe heaven has visited us here today. God is not through in this house. (laughs) God is not through in this house. God wants to brand souls with the very purpose of the kingdom. God wants us to have a Jacob moment where we walk out of this house even if we have to hobble away having known we've been in the presence of a God that has changed us. Change us, change us, change us, change us. We're going to need to be intentional. We're going to need to be intentional right here. Oh, God, let your word, let your word, let your word, God, be settled in our heart, in our mind, in our mind, in our mind. Let it be settled. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. (laughs) Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Oh, oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, kata la mo ya na la la mahasa tada la mahasa. We. We really, really, really must have a desire to hear from God. And I'll promise you that's far more difficult than you may imagine in the world we're living in today. In a world so filled with distractions, it can be sometimes a formidable task just to push all the cares of today aside and let God speak we were singing this song my my mind went back to a message I recently heard Brother Paul Mooney preach and just just let me build off of a point he made here this song we're singing was written by Brother G.T. Haywood one of the founding fathers of the oneness movement Brother Mooney's father, when when he was still living, very much up in age, but still living, uh, Brother Haywood was, and and they found out that G. T. Haywood was going to be preaching a revival in Elwood, Indiana, which is not too far from where Darren Williams pastors. And so they drove to that meeting because they wanted to, obviously wanted to 
to meet someone as renowned as Brother G.T. Haywood. Brother Haywood had been traveling and preaching for days on the end, and when he got there, he was literally physically exhausted. And so he got up before that congregation and he said, You know what, folks? He said, I, I'm just so weary in my body. I need for all of us to gather in and just take a moment. Let's pray because I need to hear from God. I need to hear from God. I don't want to just get up here and preach what I preached last night somewhere in another city, another place. <laughs> I don't want to just get up here and rehearse something that's over and over and over. And they, Brother Mooney's father told him, said they gathered in and just began to pray. And after a little while, Brother Haywood said, I feel like I've heard from the Lord now. And they got up and had church. It's a little bit different. But we need to hear from God. Not another, just no, no, just not a bunch of sermons, so to speak. We need a message. We need a brand of fire to fall out of the sky and pierce our hearts asunder. And let's leave changed. Let's leave changed. Amen. Let's sing another chorus of this song. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.